Your opinion. My we'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Stoner's Point of View. Uh, my name is Brett, and I am here with my co-hosts, with the co-most, Terrell and Phil. Gentlemen, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I am outstanding, actually. Now, Phil, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, boys. I just want to say I'm, you know, stoked to be here on the on the podcast with my boys. Official co-host status now, am I right? Co-host I I like with the co-host. I think I like being a special guest better. Yeah, we don't like... wait. We don't just make puns for anyone, Phil. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? I'm stoked to be here with my main man's Brett, the Hitman Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also. My boy, Terrell, the Tasmanian Devil, Parker. <laughs> is that a geese sound? Like, is that a Canada goose sound? It's very like nice. A, I, the history I of Canada think, ad. I still think we should save the effects for post, but it was, oh, it was a heck of an effort. Valiant effort. <laughs> this is a child's toy that I got given to me from my neighbor. It's great. It's got all kinds of sounds. They're a wildcat. <laughs> that's awesome no i'm glad to be here boys that's uh, i'm looking forward to today's podcast <laughs> yeah me too me too uh how was your guys week good Anything i mean exciting and interesting happen it's gonna be winter soon brett come on uh, do you notice it it's getting cold out it is getting colder here in canada it is chilly i was listening to this this week's song and it was all like cold and shitty out and i was like all uplifted for a second yeah, and then I watched American Beauty, and I was back to being depressed. Right, yeah. right. And I was, I was going to also mention that that uh, I had a a really really awful morning this morning. I was just feeling like garbage, and I listened to the song again, just kind of uh, have a nice current outlook on it, and it just totally brought me out of my funk. Like it's hard to be sad. So why don't we get into the song right yeah. away? Uh, this week we did "Here Comes the Sun" by the Beatles. Um, fun fact about this song, it was written by George Harrison. John Lennon did not play on it, which is kind of interesting, but I found it more interesting that I love the song as much as I do without John Lennon on it. He did the hand claps, I think. He was, all, he was in the background. Uh, yeah, it's possible. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I, I, I just I, made I, that up. I, I just I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think John Lennon is uh, is on that track. But uh, another interesting thing, I didn't really realize it until we started uh, doing this podcast. But uh, these guys, I like, like they were actually pretty big back in their day. Um, and like it was just I don't know how that flew under my my radar. But I was like the Beatles. I thought you guys were some bugs, yo. <laughs> That's funny. I, I think anybody uh, knows that they were uh, enormous for their time. And I, I actually don't know if there's a band currently that you could measure up in terms of impact on the, the culture of the time, like as the Beatles. They were pretty impactful. Yeah, yeah they're I all. I would, I would say probably them and Len. Feel my sunshine? <laughs> like, like, like Len? Yeah, yeah Feel my, my sunshine. The 90s uh, rock hit? Yeah. Um, 
You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and just veto that song from ever being on this show. <laughs> um, Back to the Another Beatles, fun though. fact about Here Comes the Sun, actually, before we get into the song itself, uh, George Harrison actually wrote this in Eric Clapton's garden using Eric, Eric Clapton's, Clapton's acoustic guitar. guitar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Imagine that, eh? You're just chilling with Clapton. You're like, eh, you're really good at solos, but uh, I'm going to write this really banging pop hit that's going to ever last. You know what it's... You know what it's like to write a song with a buddy who's also a musician. You know that Clapton had to have had some level of influence. You know and what you can I'm kind just, of hear it in the guitar a little bit. I'm thinking of that moment when your buddy's playing guitar and you want to play it, but it's his guitar, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, "Yo, can, can, can I can I just see it?" For, and you're like, "Don't want to be a dick, but I just got like a an absolute legend of a, of, a, of an all time classic in my <laughs> head here. I just need to I just need to noodle out real quick." You know. Well, actually, <laughs> if you really did your research on this song, kids, uh, Eric Clapton and Harrison have wrote a bunch of songs together, and this song actually has. Uh, a fairly similar melody to another song that they they actually have wrote together. So Brett was on the right right track there. There's actually a lot of interesting history in in this song in the sense that uh, it was like one of the big songs off of Abbey Road, which is like a legendary record. But I just yeah. like you said, like the whole the funniest part about this whole story is that yeah, like just these two absolute legends. Just and it's funny because George was hanging out in his garden at like his beautiful like British style <laughs> estate, yeah. and it was like a really hard winter. And he's like, I'm just going to write a song about how it's kind of nice out now and it's going to be summery and I'm going to hang out with my girlfriend, probably smoke some pot. Well, and, <laughs> and just a little backstory, and I, I got some of this information from a songfacts.com, shout out songfacts. Um, George Harrison had taken over some of the business duties of the Beatles because their manager died in 1967. So he had kind of taken on some of the more business aspect and he hated it. So part of writing Here Comes the Sun was just like the release of the tension of dealing with all these corporate business meetings that he just like was not cut out for and just hated doing. Yeah. So well, and I believe at that time too, Brett, he was also unhappy with his place in the Beatles and had already been talking with the yeah. guys about leaving the band. Yeah. Well, he did or leave for a couple considering months. Leaving. Yeah. He did yeah, leave for yeah. a couple I, months. I know for a fact him and Lennon were not on great terms at the time that this song got recorded well and that's the thing with lennon not being on this track it's almost like he just couldn't be bothered well, to be on the track you know what, what happened mean? was like three months before george actually left the group and came back and he like the, the funniest story about this with clapton is that he hadn't really played guitar for a while and he's chilling with his bro and then he he slaps out <laughs> he slaps out here comes the sun goes yeah. into the dude let in there just all sour faced hanging out with lumpy ass to Yoko Ono and, <laughs> and you know and, and George hold on hold on hold, hold put a pin in that for a sec Terrell let's just let's just clear the air here like Yoko Ono okay definitely not worth breaking up one of the greatest bands of all time for <laughs> no, no no I think that was George his position I bet on the whole thing when he, when he was trying to come back to the band he was probably like hmm you know we're pretty good so how about we not break up over your we girlfriend <laughs> There's a, a video of uh, of John Lennon and I believe Eric Clapton actually uh, playing a concert together and Yoko Ono's there and just every once in a while she'll jump out from under this giant white sheet and just scream like ah, la, 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 into the mic <laughs> and there's this one priceless moment where you just see like fucking John Lennon like look over and just be like oh man like can you just go hide under the sheet for the next song you know there's a lot of footage actually while they're recording abbey road where like john would be playing and he'd be all grooving out and yoko would be like so like singing along and like you kind of look at her and you're like 
what's your problem? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that infamous, uh, that Bill Burr uh, rant about uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono playing with Chuck Berry. <laughs> and yeah. if you haven't seen it, look, just look up like, yeah, like Bill Burr, Yoko Ono on YouTube and you'll get a great video. Uh, but yeah, another, you actually see Chuck Berry, like look over at Yoko Ono with just like incredible rage. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this song, I love the song. It's got a great intro, great vibe. Um, my kind of producer ears came on right at the beginning when it starts in the left speaker. And as soon as like the singing comes in, it's like full, full spectrum of sound. I thought that was a really cool touch. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just takes you right in just happy and upbeat. Yeah, a cool uh, like songwriter thing that I noticed was they do a lot of switches between three, four and four, four time. Mm -hmm. And they actually do it really well and kind of mathy. They'll do like four bars of three fourths that equals 12, which is it shares in common with four four. And then they'll do a bar of four four after to kind of complete the cycle. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. It's a cool song. I love the guitar playing in it. I love the, the, the synth in it. Like uh, most people don't know, like uh, Harrison was one of the first people to have a, 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 a Moog or her Moog, however you're supposed to say it. I guess it's, it's Moog. I'm still uh, just going to say Moog. It's I like know, GIF I, and GIF, right? That's a GIF. Yeah, 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 but Moog. either way, he back then it was like, you, you know, we've seen the old school synths where you have to like plug them in with chords to make things, you know, work basically and you have to like, connect it all together. It's like a puzzle. Um, and George was one of the first people to play on it and Here Comes the Sun has really awesome keyboard parts that kind of it follow. It really does, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. follow the guitar and I, I love all the kind of like, it's a really nostalgic song to me. It really makes me like wish I had bell bottoms and I smoked dope in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, what's wild is they never played the song live, like until nineteen seventy one, and George Harrison played it like at a like a charity concert. But the Beatles, as a band, never played the song live because they'd already stopped touring by the time it was recorded, which is kind of wild. Thanks, mm-hmm. Yoko. Thanks for that. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Yoko. (laughs) Thanks, Yoko. Yeah. And uh, and, uh, oh, David Chapman. Thanks. Thanks, you too. You. you, Yeah. Yeah. That good one. What's his his problem? Yeah. No kidding. You just like ruin it for everyone. Yeah. Um, Jerk. So, not a lot in terms of differentiation in this song. It has your happy upbeat parts. It has the cool sun, sun, sun. Here comes part with the kind of darker guitar and the synth and stuff. But then it goes back to the happy part and that kind of carries us to the end. So I think the most interesting stuff about this song is a lot of what we've already talked about, but just like the backstories and the commentary and the fact that uh, we all collectively hate Yoko Ono. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a great tune though. Honestly, every time I listen to it, it's like one of the most uplifting songs I think I've ever heard like of rock music. And I, I tried to learn how to play it on guitar and it's really easy. It's it's basically like a, a D chord and a G chord and an A. And you kind of play the little melody with it. And and obviously, the, it's a little more complex than it seems. But it's just one of those songs that I just, I love hearing it. It makes me ha- feel so good. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Brett, you touched on it earlier, too, uh, about the, the, the stereo mixing in this. And you can tell they're yeah. definitely, they're like, yo, we've got this new technology. It's called stereo output. Yeah. And- like we're gonna we're gonna play with this, and it was funny because uh, I I the 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 
plant I was sending you guys pictures of, I believe it ended up on our Instagram as well. I had this real nice purple plant and I, I tried my first little sampling of it uh, the other night and was listening to that song and I was just like, you know, a classic Brett moment. Wow. Yeah. Am baked, you know, and then uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'm hearing like the mixing, and I'm like, wow, I'm like it's kind of kind of gimmicky at the start, but then throughout the song, it just like yeah. it, it it blooms, you know, and it's it, yeah, it's just incredible. One one of the outstanding things I like about it too is um, the technology they used on the vocals. They had to like resend like a delay back into the mix board, and they used like a really cool like hardware manipulation to get that sound now you can get it in plug-in form from waves mm -hmm. i wonder um, if that was like a tape delay or something yes yeah it was, oh is that it what was, it was yeah okay well, the beatles are like amazing producers right and if you actually mm -hmm. you can watch videos on youtube about how they they made this song like it started off with george like doing a, a scratch track with like drums and they actually added like a full orchestra in it i think it was the first one that had like strings and cellos and all that like that they recorded at abbey studios because they had they had the whole studio and so they had just like a whole orchestra because you know it's the beatles <laughs> and uh yeah and like they added like all the synthesizer and stuff on the end and yeah if you're a producer too it's one of those songs that like like i said it it's it's it seems simple to learn how to play because it is a really you know tight simple song but the recording quality and the production is you know way ahead of its time absolutely yeah and i think that could go for the whole album like if, if anyone listening to this is like inspired to go listen to this song, just go listen to the whole album. Like yeah. do yourself a favor. Yeah. Listen, get baked and listen to it on a good set of headphones. Cause the mixing is insane on this album. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I, I think that about wraps up. Here comes the sun. Uh, really glad we chose that song this week. It, uh, it actually played a pretty significant part in my day, not sucking today. So uh, kudos to that. Now, with all that happy-go-luckiness out of the way, <laughs> let's, uh, let's take the next step forward and get into our movie of the week. Uh, we took on the Academy Award-winning, multiple Academy Award-winning, American Beauty. And boy, oh boy, did that have the opposite effect that Here Comes the Sun had on my psyche. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, like, you know, like the classic, like, comedian line, like, hey, I just flew in from Halifax, and boy, are my arms tired. Yeah. Uh, what came <laughs> to mind with me was, hey, I just watched American Beauty, and boy, do I feel dirty. Yeah, yeah, bang on. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah, um, real feel-good film uh, starring, you know, all-around good dude Kevin Spacey. Uh, <laughs> a, real, a real fun Or romp. not. A real so, fun, so lighthearted romp. Yeah, exactly. Let's dive right into that because uh, we we have to disclaimer. Uh, there is a dude in this movie who is a very central part of the movie that's also not the greatest dude. So um, we're hoping that like uh, like us, you're able to somewhat uh, view the movie in its own kind of microcosm and not let one bad apple spoil the bunch i understand that's very difficult to do and extremely unfair to the victims but uh we're not here to to be political we're here to analyze a movie so deal with yeah. it yeah we're here to get baked and make jokes and stuff yeah so <laughs> um yeah and also like the movie won five academy awards like obviously a lot of talented people were involved in the production of the movie so to to just completely you know, make this movie a pariah because one of the dudes turned out to be 
kind of a piece of garbage is uh, is not really fair to the rest of the crew. And you know, it's a, it's a tough uh, conversation to have, like how you separate like art and artists. But once yeah. you get into that, down that path, you know, like there's no one in the world that didn't do anything bad. Like, you know, it, it, like, you know, George Washington owned slaves. Kanye West is a narcissist, but you know what I mean? Like people like still appreciate what these people did. Right. Um, and so, you know, at the time Kevin Spacey was regarded as a genius. Now, when you watch this movie back, it seems a little creepy. Well, and, (laughs) and his character in the movie is rather creepy. Yeah, so, great actor, eh? Real good at playing that yeah, part. I feel, turns like, out he I feel like he really gets inside the mind I, of a total creeper. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like he's a natural at that role. You took my joke. I was going to do that eventually. But yeah, um, you know, and that, that's the joke here, right? But it's a really serious thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I actually have a hard time, like, separating the art from the artist. But Kevin Spacey truly is, like, you know, I bought into this movie, like, what the kind of what he was trying to say and what he was doing, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I have to say, before all of this, you know, all of this, uh, this stuff came out about him, I was like genuinely a fan. Like, I, I looked forward to him being in a movie. You House know, of Cards was amazing. Was be a bright spot of, of a movie or whatever he was in. As you guys know, and as some of the people listening may know, like I was an acting student for a while, and actually, there's an online program called Masterclass, and Kevin Spacey is the like head instructor of the acting Masterclass. And I had definitely considered signing up for that prior to all this stuff coming out. Speaking of which, like, let's just touch on it for a second because this was a really weird situation. So these, these allegations come out and like several allegations at once. And his PR kind of uh, counterstrike to it was to come out as gay. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that really seemed strange. like very odd to me as like your your PR tactic for getting around being like a a total weirdo is to just come out as gay. So now you're ostracizing the gay community as well. Well, and also given that the, the, the accusa- accusations against him are made by, uh, you know, a male, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, like that was going to come out. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> right. No, no. Well, and speaking of that, like coming out for the gay community and for most people is to be celebrated. It's something Absolutely. to be like, proud of and and celebrated but in kevin spacey's case it was kind of like really <laughs> you know it didn't receive the same kind yeah, of yeah you're like now now yeah, yeah so uh short side note i used to work at uh, the hamilton spectator um and a lot of movies get filmed in there many times i'd be just trying to like go get my lunch and have like a film crew like yelling at me to be quiet i'm just like you know what i just want my enchiladas or whatever they were making there mm-hmm. um but uh, Kevin Spacey filmed a movie and was was there, and I guess was just a total dick to everyone there. Like it's like anybody who had been there when he was there is like, yeah, I know, yeah, he's actually an asshole. And this was way before all this stuff came out about him. I'm I, shocked. I, I'm shocked to hear that. <laughs> that completely blows me away. <laughs> you know, back on to you know, I, we've talked about Kevin Spacey so much, and obviously he really brings this movie alive. Uh, for, for lack of a better word. But you know who I actually really loved in this movie was his wife. Like, I think yeah. she really enforced, like, the themes of, like, how pointless um, life is. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. It, well, it really tackles just all the suburban stuff. So let's, let's get into the, the movie. We'll go, we'll go through our normal process of going through the movie as it goes. So it comes in, got this creepy music, creepy vibes. It's immediately establishing that, okay, this is going to be unsettling. Um, 
And then you get Spacey in the call center. And my actor brain immediately went, man, he just did like a 30 to 45 second phone conversation with no one on the other line. Like, mm -hmm. that's like, the guy's a weirdo, but he's a super talented actor. And oh, absolutely. I, I had to appreciate him for that. Um, but yeah, he gets his walking papers or gets given the ultimatum that he has to uh, fight for his job via some kind of essay or something. Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes back home to typical family dinner, which escalates into typical family drama. And one of the things I like about this movie is how it, it really encompasses, like, we've all dealt with family dinner and family drama. Like, it really encompasses just the, the dynamic there. Um, but then you get some creepy dialogue with Spacey and his daughter, and then the creepy music starts again, and you see Film Boy, who, who I've, I've dubbed Film Boy through all my notes. If, if you read through my notes, he's just <laughs> Film Boy for the whole movie. But yeah, he's Ricky. just like fil filming them all creepy. Ricky Fitz was the character's <laughs> name. <but laughs> right when he comes, it's funny you call him Film Boy. My first note on him was right here, and it's, it's Homeboy next door is a straight-up creeper. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> yeah. goodness. Yeah. This, yeah, guy exactly. was, like, this guy was actually something of a heartthrob back in his day, too. Yeah. And watching it now, I'm like, no, nah, this guy is like, like – he had like this like romanticized role of you know or like a he's supposed to be a hero such a creeper such a creeper Him oh my spacey both are the worst like they make you think that they're everyone like... in this movie is kind of a jerk <laughs> like everyone yeah. like i was like discussing that with my wife today and it was just like yeah like everyone kind of sucks in this movie like it's a great movie the characters are interesting but you don't want to hang out with these people no, no, you definitely don't. <laughs> no, no way. And, and right after the whole argument about him getting fired and blah, 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 like, because you're talking about his wife. His wife in that scene has, like, a very dominant kind of attitude, like, as if her act is all together and she's got the greatest job on earth. So then we get a cut to her attempting to sell this house and she's got to give herself the pep talk and stuff. We get a nice little cameo from Harold, from Harold and Kumar. Mm -hmm. who comes through to do a showing of the house. I noticed that and jotted it down in my notes. Um, and then You're thinking about hamburgers, White Castle? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was thinking about some White <laughs> Castle, man. Um, and then you just kind of notice that the wife sort of sucks at her job too. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. she's kind of really bad at it. What's funny, uh, uh, you know, as you guys know, I used to work at a real estate brokerage before I uh, started working in, in the weed industry. But uh, uh the, with her giving herself the pep talk and I will sell this house. I will sell this. House. I like, I know realtors that are, are like that. I don't know about the meltdown if it, once they, if they, you know, botch a sale, but uh, I definitely, I definitely know like the type that, that are definitely like in their car. Like I will sell this house. I will sell this house. It's, it's an interesting group of people. Real estate's a tough gig, man. Like I'm in, we're, we, I've been in sales a long time and like real estate is like the, the top like level of being a salesperson. And yeah, like as soon as that scene started, I was like, I could sell that house. Like, you know I mean? <laughs> Cause he, she wasn't so good. Like the way, one of the things I hated, like the thing I really liked about that, like I said, this character is that she really makes you really feel like life is pointless because she acts like she knows everything and has it all together, but she really doesn't, right? Like her perception is way off of what her actual life is like. And that's when, when she was doing her like little sales bit, I was just like, you, know, you can't just like lead people and tell them and like totally like gloss over the reality. It's, it's not Lagoon-like. You know what I mean? It, it's very un-Lagoon-like, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I don't know. I just like, I really like that character because it really frames her right away as like, you know, you can't really trust her. 
Yeah, well, the scene where she has her meltdown. Sorry if I'm skipping ahead here. No, nope, this is right where we are, man. Yeah, when she has her meltdown, like that, I I was just really baked, but also really struck by uh, just how like how well she she acted out that scene. Like it was just mm-hmm. a, one of those moments you see every you know it's not in every movie, but every once in a while you'll see an actor just really you know to 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 put it in wrestling terms really sell the part you know yeah um and uh and that was definitely one of those standout moments that like i'll, I'll remember that you know years from now as, as that being a standout acting moment yeah and the the emotion was really visceral and you could see that and that's actually like a common um acting technique for when you are in a situation where you have to do a scene or a, a part like that um you really need to dig down into like your own like personal muck and kind of like summon that to the surface and you could see that in her when she she breaks down and then like middle of it she's like no you need to be this strong like person that you're pretending to be she starts hitting herself like you're weak you're weak <laughs> like yeah she's like, like thinking about her mom or something right like it's a yeah. very obviously very like she she definitely got hit when she spilled her oatmeal yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> well, and, and, and watching her do that part with her hitting herself like she's not she, she's not pulling those hits you know no. like she's actually smacking herself in the face and you can tell yeah so then we we get to uh to the start of where the creep really starts to turn up and that's the high school scene um where they're watching the daughter's little cheerleading routine mm-hmm. and uh spacey starts daydreaming about her friend and we get the first introduction of the iconic roses yes um, yeah well that's rose the thing, petals. Right? rose petals uh replacing the nudity <laughs> which yeah yeah was, well i was gonna say well, they, they, you know they're at the cheerleading competition and you know first off you've got your classic nerdy goth cheerleader uh i totally remember those from from school i don't know about you guys <laughs> but uh yeah that's when the unexpected ha- happens kevin yeah. spacey pervs out on a minor yeah yeah <laughs> didn't see that coming you know and the, if you think about this scene i remember being really baked and i've obviously seen this movie a t- like a ton it's been out since like 1999 and uh if you haven't seen this movie one of the things that you really start to realize is that you know people don't even know each other in this movie they're supposed to be family but they, yeah. they even talk about they allude to it where like you know the the, the daughter jane who was played by thora birch um was like oh i don't even want my parents to be here and they're in the car like arguing oh i don't like do we even know of Jane? and it just points out like there's this con- this constant theme of like they no one actually cares about each other because like they just are worried about their own pointless lives basically right well well in the mom's case she's the one who appears to care the most but it's just so that she can it's keep up act. this so she can keep up this front that the families, you know all absolutely yeah acting as if yeah yeah like you must retain a professional appearance at all times right. to be yes. successful something I, I wanted to ask you guys and i got i got a note here um when when spacey first starts turning up the creep over the cheerleader chick like just as dads of daughters like did that like send any yes. hackles up and just yes cause... this was the first time i i had uh, seen this movie since becoming a father and and as brett alluded to i have a a little girl um and uh at first it maybe it's because it's so new and i'm not used to seeing that stuff or i'm just so sensitive to it right now but i was just like i got i got a little i got a little pissed off when i saw that part not gonna lie (laughs) yeah yeah i I wondered about that because i'm i'm like for me it's bad enough like just being a dad in general 
but being a dad of daughters, it probably has that, that much more effect. Um, but yeah, all I got, all I got written in here after that is, but yeah, he's super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My next part is, well, I was, uh, what, my next part is when I first saw this, I just thought Kevin Spacey was a really good actor. <laughs> yeah it definitely frames the whole movie differently with when every time you see him acting like that like when he because he has such like control of like his emotions and his face and stuff yes and yeah. then you're, you're watching him and you're kind of like i get like really squinty eyes and i get like seems a little suspect yeah the way he's acting yeah. well and it gets even more suspect because then it goes to the next rose petal scene where he's actually dreaming and he's he's jaying off in the bed <laughs> yeah oh he gets busted J and off and he's right. got some of the best terms for J and off I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, what is it saying? Hi to my monster or something like that. It's, it's just, it's great. I actually, I forgot how many, how many one-liners are actually in this movie. Like, well, I think whoa, it's meant I, to be a comedy, right? Yeah. Isn't this supposed to be a comedy? It's like really? a tragic comedy. You yeah. know what? It, it might actually be because here's an interesting little side note. Uh, did you know that uh, the studio wanted much more high profile actors than Kevin Spacey was at the time. And they actually, uh, they contacted Chevy Chase before they contacted Kevin Imagine. Spacey for that role. Whoa. Dead serious. That, that would have made a completely different movie. Absolutely. It probably would have been, made it more of an enjoyable watch, uh, especially in 2020. <laughs> um, so actually it's, it's funny how this movie kind of ties everything together scene by scene and keeps the flow going because you just, you just mentioned that you were like realizing that it had a bunch of one-liners and stuff. And then very next scene is the girls in the car and they're kind of chatting and we get a one-liner out of there that kind of stuck out to me where the, the one that Kevin Spacey's into says there's nothing worse in life than being ordinary. Mm -hmm. And like that just got me thinking that, yeah, not only is this like, uh, a dark comedy with one with one-liners in that sense but it also is meant to it's got a few specific phrases that are meant to stand out and meant to be important because they play a part later on in the movie yeah yeah and so that was really he cool. tells you right at the start that he's gonna like die yeah, yeah right <laughs> like so you just you're just waiting for it the whole movie i was just like when is this creepy bastard gonna die yeah <laughs> right? yeah and, yeah and like sorry spoiler alert for a 20 year old movie but uh when you're watching it the first time, you're almost certain that it's going to be film boy, right? Like <laughs> they're, they're just like setting it up. That film boy is the guy who, I don't know the dad, the, with that. all the guns and the Nazi memorabilia kind of, I think, I think that's hindsight being 2020. I think that's hindsight being 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Actually, you know what, though, Brett? It's funny that you, you say that because uh, I watched this with, with my wife, and she had actually never seen this movie. What? And, uh, Perfect. Yeah. And, so, and she was like, she said to me earlier today, she was saying that, because uh, she's a big fan of the podcast, uh no she's not but uh, <laughs> it has me in it so she's like nah but uh she was saying that she's like yeah like right away i had the i had the dad pegged as to who was gonna kill him no yeah well, but she's really good at that though too she always gets those things that like i missed the first time around right, so. right. um and then uh we get filming dude again he's like filming jane in her driveway um and then Spacey calls the cheerleader friend and hangs up. So creepy. Who would have thought? But, yeah. But right after that, I get a really like nostalgic, like, oh man, I'm old moment 
when she calls back and is talking to James, she's like, yeah, I star 69 your number. Meanwhile, Kevin Spacey was looking to star 69 with her. Oh, <laughs> bird, bird of the night, I guess, kind of, in a way. But we'll, 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 we're putting a pin in that. That's That's my up for, it's up for consideration. That's a Kevin Spacey acting as a character at Burn. Uh, you know what else I liked about this whole movie? There's a lot of, like, old technology throwbacks, like, with the, just the way he films and everything. Oh, um, his camera, his sick camera. That's like <laughs> all his sick audio equipment, which is not sick. Yeah. Um, except, except that. Let's be real, boys. That's the equipment we used in our communications class in high school. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But like, bro, I'm sitting in my shed. Like, it's kind of chilly in the shed today, boys. But uh, <laughs> I'm sitting in the shed using better equipment than he has in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny because like it, this movie has like a time capsule feel to it as well. Like, I really noticed it. Like with the whole like the high school scene and their house and like the technology, it really is like so nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody has cell phones. So then we get to the, the scene in the car with filming dude and his dad, uh, the Marine. And we, we find out that he's a huge bigot <laughs> and uh, he starts dropping some very, uh, very inappropriate vernacular towards uh, the gay neighbors down the street. And Who brought him a lovely gift basket. Like, I don't yeah. care what you look like. You bring me a gift basket with pasta. Yeah. We're best friends. And like mm -hmm. it melts in your mouth. Like you, you just add water and it's already cooked basically. My note on this uh, scene is uh, we get a really great driving scene where the father and son bond. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you mentioned that though, because I, I have a here that, yeah, the kid uh, pretends to also be a bigot in an attempt to, uh, win over his dad's respect. Which you come to later oh, to find. See, I didn't. I didn't realize he was pretending. So that kind of changes the rest of the movie for me. <laughs> well, and then you come to find like the only reason he was doing that is because his dad savagely beats him when he doesn't listen to everything he tells him to do. Right, and yeah. it's turned it's turned him into a bit of a weirdo in his own right. So uh... yeah, again, just a just a just a, a, a group of great folks in this movie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> real salt funny. of the earth kind of people. <laughs> And there was there's a bunch of stuff that happened after this. Honestly, I was kind of lost in the movie by this point. And then the part that I really clicked back in was when uh, film dude sees Spacey at the weird cocktail party and asks him to get high. And the reason it snapped <laughs> in because I was like, oh yeah, I'm high. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And well, it was funny because it was at, at that exact point in the movie I started to like these two characters more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. My I didn't like the kid though. Out so shortly after, when he sold him weed for two G's for like what? Like is that like a like is that like five grams? Yeah, I kept on waiting for 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 film boy to be like, nah, I got you. But he's like, no, I'm I'm actually just an like. Asshole. Is that weed from Pluto? <laughs> thrown by aliens like how does it cost that much exactly and, and what does it do he's supposed to be this sensitive you know this sensitive character in the film but like he charges a guy at like two grand for like I... <laughs> another thing that didn't make sense is you know when he was doing like his books and he had like 24 grand versus like 32 grand it's like bro at two g's a bag you sold what like 12 bags like you're not that good at this you yeah. just may not like you're just uh maybe you should think of a better way to live your life or maybe you're i guess he's a genius in a way but either way like that's not really that many sales mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah and then there's there's just a bunch of story movement they get home the daughter's friend is like laying it on thick to spacey and then they find out she's gonna stay the night he chokes on his beer and stuff and there's there's some there's some funny hijinks that takes place during all that um 
but uh yeah then there's this scene where film dude is filming through his window into jane's window and her friend starts dancing and you just see the camera like zoom past her into the mirror on the wall so we could see jane's face so i thought that was a cool shot Mm-hmm. and a cool little bit of uh there's a lot of really cool really cool shots in here like if you watch the start of the movie you'll notice that lester is always like framed in kind of like a jail like kind of way mm. like when he like and he's also filmed differently like when he's being talked down to by like his boss or yeah. like his, his wife at the start but then that's one of my favorite kind of arcs of this movie like despite lester being creepy i think they could have like wrote that like different mm-hmm. but i like how lester becomes like you know what i am gonna wrap my boss out for having right. a hooker and well, i'm gonna do the, the cool thing that's cool yeah <laughs> well it's it's funny that uh you know you bring that part out there trail because i was i was initially when uh when they're smoking the joint together film boy and uh and lester uh, and then uh the, the guy comes out and yells at uh, at film boy he's like what are you doing you know i'm not paying you to be doing this and he's like well fine then i quit and i'm like best way to quit a job ever and yeah. then Lester quits his job, and I'm like, no, that <laughs> was the best way to <laughs> yeah. quit a job ever. Like that, like that was legendary. <laughs> and that's the thing about this movie, like the like Ricky and Lester sometimes do stuff that like I seem like I think is cool, but like like overall, I think Lester's behavior, like especially towards his his daughter's friend, is just like as a father, it's just like I'm just like, come on, like dude, come on, your wife is right there. like come on like who that's so creepy (laughs) yeah sure uh and then spacey somehow overhears at some point that uh if he worked out uh the daughter's friend would take a much stronger interest in him so by golly brother starts working out oh and he (laughs) starts with the tiniest weights i've ever seen well and we 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 are informed of his working out with the tiniest weights you've ever seen by film boy creepily <laughs> filming him working out shirtless through the window which actually plays a pretty significant part yes but my on. favorite part about that scene again because film boy is a jerk because his line while he's filming his neighbor secretly he's filming his neighbor working out he says Welcome to America's weirdest home video. <laughs> and it's like, bro, you are the weird one in this situation. People work out. It's you that are filming them secretly. Yeah, and like the thing is, is as a viewer, when you're watching that, you if you like it's like if you only knew film boy, how yeah. creepy this is that you're filming him, he's working out because he's trying to kiss his, his daughter's friend. Like that is just yeah yeah the the, the two characters are are, i do not find them very relatable they do something that i'm like you know what good for them but most of the time when they like talk or whatever ricky or lester i'm always just like 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 phil said i'm just always like oh you disgust me (laughs) (laughs) well and then and then we get the uh perhaps the most iconic scene in the movie which is the trippy spacey part where he ends up at the bathtub full of rose petals and uh, has the discourse with the friend's or with the daughter's friend and uh wakes up wanking in his sleep (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he uh he ends up in a marital fight again with the wife uh just about how she's not uh, meeting his needs and all that sort of stuff um and then we get another one of those like lines that i think is meant to stand out and and kind of be important in the movie and it's right after he's kind of made the decision to you know i'm going to 
do things differently now. And he says, it's a great thing when you realize you still have the ability to surprise yourself. Yes, great line. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was a really great line. I, I made a, a note of that too. And then we get the jogging scene. He's jogging with the gay dudes and like trying to get as jacked as they are. And they end up passing by Film Boy's house and he's out there with his dad and Spacey stops and kind of shoots the breeze with him and stuff. And it, this is the sort of beginning of U.S. Marine Corps dad starting to think that his son is might be having something going on with Spacey. Mm-hmm. Yes. What, what's Other than selling him way overpriced weed. <laughs> well, and that's what stuck out to me is this whole thing is starting because of weed it's really yeah. a weed it's a movie about weed really yeah <laughs> okay sp- sorry to take it back to when kevin spacey is buying weed for two thousand dollars <laughs> off of uh, film boy right uh what just put a shirt on dude like you're sweaty <laughs> here's another thing uh, kevin spacey sweaty and shirtless in a young man's bedroom come on yeah yeah I mean, that would never happen in real life. Never. I, I, I got to be able to believe this, okay? My, my, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and actually, it's funny that you said that, Terrell, because I have it starred here in my notes that this is unintentionally a relevant stoner flick. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I just want to bring up that this is a little segue off topic, but next week we are having a very relevant stoner week. Um, we're doing a stoner song and a stoner movie, classic ones. So we'll touch on those later on in the episode. But just know that it's going to get mighty stonerific next week. Anyway, <laughs> back to uh, back to the outstanding American Beauty. Uh, the mom catches Spacey working out, and uh, they have a little bit of talk about you know him doing weed and stuff. And I love the quote she uses: "Illegal psychotropic substances." <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, right there too you get a sense of just how terrible their their marriage really is too because she she walks by and sees her husband working out in the garage and it, she's pissed about it she's like how like she's mad about him trying to better himself you know well, she's it's pissed like a, about him smoking pot and that kind of touches on what i said a couple of seconds ago where like the whole kind of escalation to the climax of this movie is brought upon by weed but not only brought upon by weed brought upon by the fact that weed is illegal yeah, because that's why he had to like sneak around with with film boy and like make it look so shady and stuff. Whereas if it was legal, it's just like, yo, bro, can I get some of that weed off you? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But I, I feel more comfortable knowing that Kevin Spacey's character does get killed at the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> also, if weed was legal, Kevin Spacey wouldn't be paying two fucking grand for a few grams of weed. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, but yeah, uh, so then we get a scene with Spacey at work and now he's blackmailing his company, as you had mentioned earlier. And another one of those quotes that stood out where he said, I'm just an ordinary guy with nothing to lose. Oh, yes. I love that whole, I love that whole part. I wrote down the, the part where he's talking to his manager. Um, it just, that's so great. Like you start to realize that Lester is just, you know, he's just totally transforming. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know what just, that? That scene reminded me, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Terrell. That scene reminded me so much of, uh, and it's funny because these movies both came out in the same year, but Fight Club, when Ed Norton's character, Jack, when he quits his job, it's such a transformative uh, moment. And these movies were both being made at the same time and they both have such such a similar scene in them. It's really interesting. For sure. And then we get the next scene. It's the mom with the real estate mogul. They're having dinner. 
he conveniently mentions that he just broke up with his girlfriend. Um, and then there's a little bit of flirting back and forth. And we get another, yet another line that stood out to me where he said, in order to be successful, one must project an image of success at all times. Yeah. Is that and what that, he said, Brett? Cause I was just too busy looking at that guy's eyebrows. That's all <laughs> I ever see every movie he's in. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. But that, that line's just like stuck out. Cause it's, it's a pretty deep line when you actually like unpack it, but it's just, also shows like on the surface that his whole persona is just a sham like it's yeah. a projection that he's putting yeah. up yeah he's the king he's a king which yeah. never which met then... somebody like that before yeah <laughs> <laughs> little inside baseball for you folks <laughs> but yeah then we uh we get uh a scene of the king uh smashing kevin spacey's wife in a hotel yes Best line too. How you like getting nailed by the king, baby? <laughs> yeah, like this movie is so just like it goes from one scene to the next where you're just like you. Everyone is just so pathetic. You know what I mean? Like how they all act and treat each other. Yeah. It's it's a really one of the, it's not a. As you guys talk about these scenes, I keep on thinking about the movie, and as it's going, I'm like, wow, we're only like partway through this just disaster piece of, of <laughs> about how yeah, terrible yeah. these people are. And there's, Everyone and there's, in this movie is an asshole. <laughs> yeah, and there's so much more movie to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the very next scene is is really great. It's, it's Spacey in his car singing American Woman. And uh, fun fact about that, that whole part of him singing the song is actually, was completely improvised. Um, so he was supposed to be just driving and getting baked and listening to the song. I, I want to. I'm gonna just like segue for a second again, just to get you guys' opinion. So, American Woman's playing. That it's a great song. I I like it personally. The original version. I just wanna wanna talk. Lenny Kravitz's cover of American Woman. Yay or nay? Nay. Uh, I'm gonna go with Spacey's version <laughs> as my favorite. Well, the the question was not what your favorite was. It was Lenny Kravitz's version. Yay or nay? Ah ah. It's not what my favorite is, but I don't mind the Kravitz version, but obviously okay. the original is where it's at. The original, his vocal is so Yeah, it's awesome. just so good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I I liked Kravitz's version um, as a song, like as a whole. I don't like that that kind of was like what launched him into superstardom. Anytime someone gets famous off a cover, it feels like uh, cheating, sort of. <laughs> but, oh. um, anyways, back to the movie. So uh, he applies for a job at the fast food joint. That's going to come into play a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, they understandably are wondering why this 41-year-old with all this sales experience is wanting to work at a fast food joint. Yeah, um, and he like, he like rebuttals everything and gets the job <laughs> of his dreams where he gets to throw away all responsibility. Uh, I love that. Like, that's one of the, the, the things about Lester. I kind of like where he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want. I kind of, I kind of like that about him. Other than that, I, I absolutely think he's awful. But something that I just thought of just now, Terrell. It's funny that you say that. I'll, I'll do what I want. Who wants to work at a burger joint? Yeah, I mean, I again, he's a weird guy. Great acting. Great <laughs> yeah, acting. Yeah, yeah, not at all authentic. Um, so it gets back to the hotel, the king and the the wife, and they he brings up firing range, and. Uh, my high brain was like, oh, does the firing range play into the, the dying? 
Right. So I'm, I'm being led along by this movie hook, line and sinker because it's been so long that since I saw it that I don't remember how it goes. And that was exactly the kind of high reaction that I'm like looking for from this show entirely is for me to just be like, Oh, is that going to be the thing? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Stood out to me like, Oh, they're going to a frying range. Oh, maybe mom's going to be the one who caps them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she wants to. <laughs> right. <laughs> But what's, what's cool about this, and this is great from a filmmaking perspective, is it goes right from talking about the firing range to right to film boy's house and like his dad's big wall of guns. Yeah, cool. and his dad has, oh, that is a sick man cave he's got there. If it was me, I'd have like a beanbag chair and a PlayStation in there too. But otherwise, top notch. Great yeah. job. Great job by the yeah. dad. One of the few redeeming qualities of any character in this film. Yeah, well, and and you'll appreciate this, Phil. Um, Film Boy shows Jane his Nazi platter. Um, platter? I barely know her. <laughs> <laughs> why why I, would, I, did, I, why I, would did, I appreciate the Nazi platter, bro? I, I did not see that coming, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, gee, this just got awkward. Oh, now I'm in the hot seat. Uh, no, no, it's okay. But, no, hey, what a, you know what? I, hey, it's 2020. A man can believe what he believes. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hitler um, was a real jerk. Just, just to almost go back as much to, as Lester. Uh, <laughs> go back to like the the cool transitions, just the really cool way the movie's done, and even what you said, Terrell, about how like Spacey's like scenes where he feels like he's being talked down to and stuff. They like encompass him like as if he's in a cell or something. Like this movie. The director, Sam Mendez, it was actually his first film as well. Much like Donnie Darko's Darko. director, how it was his first film, this was also uh, Sam Mendez's first film. So kudos to him for doing like a, a pretty solid first film. Yeah, well, uh, Mendez was more used to doing, uh, or he, he had experience doing stage shows like Broadway and such, correct? I believe so, yeah. Uh, yeah, because he had actually written, now that I think about it, yes, he had, he had actually written uh, this m- movie. He had actually written it as a play at first or started writing it as a play. You're well, the resident to a uh, Broadway play. expert here, Phil. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. No, but- Bro- you know what? I wish real life worked like Broadway because here's the thing. I could show up late for work and tell my boss and have it be believable that I am late because I got caught in a music number. I got caught in a dance routine. <laughs> yeah, you're just on the streetcar. And you had to sing with the whole streetcar. It happened. Yeah, some guy starts singing about his girlfriend. All of a sudden, I know all the words and all the dance moves. And you snap in your fingers. Bro, it's either that or, or current day 2020. I'm taking the musical version. Anytime. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> and I, I think the, the kind of uh, Broadway feel is there in a lot of the scenes in the movie, too. Mm-hmm. Just the, the vibe that you get from that. So next up, we get... Uh, film boy telling Jane that he's going to show her the most beautiful thing he's ever filmed. Turns out to be a bag floating around. Um, There's some cool music behind it though. I I really dug this scene. And then he gets into a great monologue that I actually really liked as well, where he's talking about beauty and going off on it. And it sort of encompasses sort of the essence of what I think they wanted the movie to be about. Like they want it to be like, about beauty having a bunch of different uh yeah but that's another but that's another thing where i I think about how much of a weirdo uh film boy is like he's just heartthrob but like think about it like could you imagine really like hey there's this girl i like oh she's 
coming into my bedroom. You want to see the most beautiful thing I've ever filmed? And there's a, a bag floating around in the wind inside of Walmart. <laughs> That's how he gets something. all the ladies, Phil. Don't don't you show? Don't you? Didn't you show your high school girlfriends? Yeah, I did, and it didn't work out. I got dumped a lot. <laughs> well, and and we laugh, but it worked for Film Boy in this instance because yeah. him and Jane hook up. And well, uh, Jane's uh, she's a she's a little weird. And and this this you know what what I got from this movie and this part is like like kind of what you were just saying about how like um, everyone has like a different interpretation of, of beauty. And I, I guess that's the whole point of the the movie. You're not supposed to like you're not supposed to be sure what the beauty the movie's about, but like it's supposed to be like you know, simple beauty has a profound effect on how people act and, and everyone has a kind of a different view on it. And honestly, like I, I'd like the encounter with the plastic bag when I'm high, but every time I watch this movie, when I'm not high. I'm always like, come on, Ricky. You yeah. Know what I mean? <laughs> well, see, Terrell, if I learned anything from this movie, it's that the creepy dude filming you next door secretly is actually a hunk. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good thing. I'll keep my windows open. So, uh, <laughs> We we get a scene very shortly after this where uh, it's the first like visible iteration of the Marine Dad beating the ever loving shit out of Film Boy, and uh, it's pretty good. And yes. then right from there, like with no context whatsoever, to the gun range, and they're firing the guns. And in my high brain, to touch on where I had the reaction earlier, I was like, "Oh, are they prepping for the death scene?" Because but now I'm convinced that the wife is going to be the one who shoots him. Like, I've, I'm, I'm dead set on that. I've, yes. I've now, I went from film boy to pegging the wife as the killer. So Yes. Then uh, we get the home sweet home scene. Stacy tries to seduce his wife. She uh, tells him he's going to spill beer on the couch. <laughs> and then they have a big fight. Yeah. Um, and there's a... That's a actually pretty much how most of my uh, intimate <laughs> encounters with the wife go these days. No, I... I'm just kidding. They just don't happen at all. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. Jeez. Honey, now she's never, never going to like joking. this. Yeah, yeah, Phil, you're really selling it for it. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, I am going to have some, some splaining to do, boys. <laughs> then, we, then we get the throwback to the opening scene. Film boy is uh, filming Jane in her room, and she jokingly says, yeah, would you kill my dad? And, uh, yeah. It's, it's like, uh, hell yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I love you. I love doing weird stuff with you. So why not kill your dad and run away to New York with my drug money? That sounds plausible because I'm a mm-hmm. good person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then then we get like a full-blown vibe change. Scene switches. It's morning. We get Spacey with a little monologue. And the, the standout quote from that is, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And they're presumably at this point setting up that this is the day when he's going to get capped because we've known all along he's getting capped. Mm-hmm. When when does it happen? Um, and another scene with Marine Dad seeing Spacey shirtless and being all hush hush with Film Boy, and uh, just further stoking the flames to his bigotry and uh, homophobia. And you can just tell the Marine suspects that oh, my son might be gay with this dude, and mm-hmm. he's he's not having it. And once again, I have an asterisk here. This whole thing started. Because they got high, because they got high, because <laughs> they got high, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was apropos that uh, that, that happened. Afro man, good men, good reference. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, then we get uh, some hijinks taking place. We get the drive-through scene where uh, wife gets busted with real estate dude, the king, 
And uh, you that can't was... tell me what to do anymore. anymore. <laughs> oh, so. Well, and I like I like when he totally stands up for the drive-through like shift manager. Yeah. He's like, "You're on her turf now." Yeah. <laughs> like, this is my family now. <laughs> Smile, you're at Mr. Smiley, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we get uh, we get Spacey working out again, but oh, lo and behold, he's out of weed. So yes. weed weed driving the plot again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the girls heading back to their place, and then we get uh, the girls come home, and the dad and film boy are like cleaning up in a rush, trying to. This is after the marine dad has seen them through the window and thinks that his son's uh, performing oral relations which is just Kevin like that's Steve. so funny that part i remember watching that and i almost like fell out of the movie because this movie has such a serious like art house vibe and then they do like this blocking where it's like a what like a charlie chaplin scene of a, a guy getting his ds by this other guy and it's like yeah. that's what the- terrell you, you've never had it where you buy weed and it looks like you're sucking dick come on now <laughs> so um, but no <laughs> The, the fact that the fact that uh, the girls come home and they clean up in a rush just makes it seem more fishy and suspect. And once again, it comes back to the if weed wasn't illegal, they would have just stayed there, uh, making it look like they were. <laughs> well, it's having just so relations. funny. Yeah. The, da- the dad is such a bigot that, like, even though he doesn't actually see anything, he right. fantasizes and makes up this horrible idea. Like, come on. But well, also, Brett, to further your point, though, it's not only if weed was if weed was legal, but also if Kevin Spacey would put a shirt on when he buys. <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, brother's been working out for like a couple weeks. By this point, he's starting to look a little jacked. Well, get like, yourself a schmedium T-shirt and uh, and flex it through some cotton. You know, I don't need to see you glistening. Yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. And then we get the showdown with the Marine and film boy and he's uh, he beats the shit out of him again. And uh, it turns out we get a, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. We have that scene and then we get the Marine showing up at Spacey's garage and he's with so, old, and, and no, you forgot. He also brought his uh, repressed homosexuality with yeah, him. Oh yeah. He came in well, there. Right going. <laughs> they, they, he came in they, there looking for a he taste. Wasn't, he wasn't alone. He, uh, that's he the point. Repre- yeah, yeah. Sexuality he, from his army. He showed up him. and yeah. he didn't show up alone. That's right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> maybe you're sure this guy wasn't in the Navy. Oh no. <laughs> no I don't know. I don't get, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get, get it, it either. Yeah. I, that was some stolen valor. I know like different sections of the military like to make fun of each other. So, Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. But whatever. Um, anyways, I was never in the Navy. He, he shows up, he shows up he uh it Both turns out they they unveil for all of us that he uh he's secretly such a homophobe because he's uh he's got some homo vibes of his own yeah wow. yeah super gay yeah and he, attempts, <laughs> he attempts to kiss lester lester says you got the wrong idea and uh-oh now the cards are all on the table marine dude has been outed as yeah. being homosexual yeah you got caught with your hand in the spacey jar (laughs) and nobody wants their hand in that spacey jar (laughs) that's not his style if they want it so now we're we're ramping up to the end and we get the scene with uh spacey and the daughter's friend and again it comes back to it's it's like sort of a throwback to the earlier line with the girls in the car where spacey's like you couldn't be ordinary if you tried and that was like the main pickup lie that he dropped Right, like, and that was what sealed the deal for him because he's about to—he's about to hook up with that chick. 
Yep, yep. Kevin yeah. Spacey getting sexually aggressive. Great With a minor. <laughs> With a minor. Who knew? With a minor. Incredible. Um, but yeah, it starts to wrap up the climax. It, it starts jumping between the characters kind of further in their arcs a bit at a time. Um, and then the daughter's friend, Spacey, finds out, uh-oh, it's her first time. And all of a sudden, he snaps back from being like full-blown midlife crisis, like Lester version Like 2. that's 0. what it took. Like that's yes. what it took. <laughs> and yeah, if he would have pulled a 180 that quick in real life, Maybe I could enjoy this movie more. Well, his, his attempt at a 180 real quick in real life was to come out as gay, which just, like, is not a 180 <laughs> at all because you were yeah. accused of fondling minor men. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, this, this uh, the, what's her face, the, the girl, yeah, it comes out that she's, it's her first time, uh, yep. which is a surprise because she's been acting like she's a real panther <laughs> in the sack the whole film. <laughs> All right, I gotta get some use out of this toy. My daughter's too small to use it. So I see, I see. <laughs> um, so yeah, then then they stop and they actually just start having a conversation. And he kind of goes a little more dad mode and he starts asking about his daughter and like how she's doing and stuff. And like <laughs> he's like, like, you know what? Now that the sex is off, let's rap. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like thinking about it, and I'm like, this movie is now trying to do like a bit of a redemption arc for Spacey's character here, and. Because I've shortest so... redemption arc ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'd say. Like, I just like not not feeling it. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, he's like, she asks if he's okay. He says, "I'm great." He looks genuinely happy. He sits down at the table and he goes to Disney World. I, I when I was high, I remember like I when I I've watched this a bunch of other times, and then he's looking at the the picture of his family. You know, it's like he finally feels content. Um, and the irony of it is that, like, that's when his neighbor decides to, like, you know, cut off, cut off all the loose ends, so to yeah. speak. Um, Which, and, no, sorry, keep going. Yeah, and I was just going to say, like, that's, like, really, like, I guess supposed to be what makes this movie so, like, profound, right? Because you're supposed to feel, like, you're supposed to feel, like, conflicted about Lester, I guess, and what he's For he's sure. Done. And, like, real realistically like he kind of got away with everything because like he's on cloud nine feeling great about himself and then bam it's over he knows nothing else for the rest of existence like his last thought on earth is how stoked he was on life and so all the creepy stuff he did all the like evil stuff he did is Boom, just like instantly forgiven it's not instantly <laughs> forgiven but he got away with it right like he has no consequences to face other than being dead but dead isn't a consequence because you don't got to face any music you know anyway he gets shot in the head we get the creepy scene with film boy and spacey where he's turning his head to the side and stuff and you know looking all looking all creepy at him and then we get a monologue to end it from spacey talking about you know, all the things about beauty, we kind of get like a, a tie in back into it. And uh, he says, you might not know what I'm talking about, but you will someday. And then, yeah, that's, that's where it wraps up. And I was still high by this point. And so I just <laughs> found myself like thinking about death and beauty and realizing that this movie kind of left me feeling like a little dirty. Yeah, yeah, a little dirty, a little dirty. Like I and, said earlier, uh, Oh, I was gonna... So that was the first time I think Kevin Spacey ever made me feel like that. 
<laughs> me personally. He's definitely made other people feel like that, but not me. So, Brett, so Brett, what would you give this movie um, before you knew Kevin Spacey uh, was a creep and after? I, I like knew. to think that I'm I'm pretty capable of separating art from artists, and I, I would give the movie as a whole probably still an eight out of ten. Yeah, like, I'd give it a solid seven point nine. Yeah, there you go, Bilski. Uh, well, so the first time I saw this movie, I was watching it. Uh, I was at the house of a girl that I really liked, and she's like inviting me over to watch a movie, and we watch American Beauty. And I, I was, I was a young kid, so I was way too scared to, you know, to 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 make make my move. But then it ended up. The more I watched the movie, the more I was like, "Well, this is actually a really inappropriate movie to to <laughs> to, to, to uh, you know pursue this strategy of mine." Right. And uh, so on that, I'm going to give myself uh, one out of ten. Uh, the first time <laughs> I saw it, and the second time I saw the movie, uh, the movie was really really good. But uh, yeah, I'd give it a solid eight. Okay, cool. So we got eight, eight, seven point nine. Uh, clearly, uh, the Academy felt the same way because they gave it five Academy Awards and nominated it for a bunch more. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything more to say on this movie that we've already said. Um, it's, it is what it is. When it came out, it was a great movie. The performances were praised and through the lens of time and the actions of certain people in the movie, it's just sort of uh, become tainted. And I think it's unavoidable. And I think, I think to be honest, like it's, it's fair in a way for that to be the case. Like, cause there's a bunch of people that were victims that will never be able to watch this movie like and separate that ever again. So you know, I don't think it's fair to them to just be like, oh, I'm going to give this guy a mulligan so I can watch this movie context-free, you know? Like, it's it's kind of difficult to do that, so. <laughs> I, like, I think you're like, oh, give, give him a mulligan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yes. So, uh, yeah, great, great. Great time, great time. No, you know what, it's still, it's still, it is a great movie. It's just you know you, you 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 as much as you try to separate the art uh, from the artist, uh, sometimes it's just it's very difficult to do things, and especially you know when you go when you go back through the uh, uh, and especially with film and with a great actor like Kevin Spacey, you see you know you see his face and you see so much just even how he emotes and and these characters that he really gets into the head of, and you're like you know what maybe that's someone who's sick, and I just didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, and, like, you can't watch this movie without, like, bringing up the whole Kevin Spacey thing. And, you know, I guess when I first watched this movie, I was pretty young, right? Like, this came out in 1999, and, and like I said, my family let me watch stuff like this. And I remember watching it at the time, and I didn't really get it. But now that I'm older, and, like, Brett was talking about I have, like, family now, and I have a daughter, this, like, all the characters, like I've said so many times, like, really piss me right off. It pissed me right off. Like every time, like Lester, every time he does something, I'm always like, I, like, where is Lester's family in the picture? Like coming up, I'm emailing Lester being like, you know, 1999 AOL. Hey, Lester, get your act together. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, well, the movie's full of a bunch of jerks. It is. It is. And, and touching back on like Spacey's performance and we were talking earlier with the scene with the mom, like how she got to reach down into some real personal muck to get, performances like that yeah you know that 
now, after the fact, in hindsight, there was a whole lot of muck with Kevin Spacey to to summon from. For, yeah, for this yeah. Well, right? uh, so, Brett, what I'm getting from this is you're saying the entire cast of the film American Beauty is a bunch of jerks. Uh, I wouldn't say the entire cast. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's fair. Crew uh, included. <laughs> and I don't fair. I don't think it's fair to the the crew and the the director and the the people who weren't actually. Yeah. Exactly. Like, Oh, in hindsight, but. see, I'm of the more current mindset where I paint everyone with the same brush. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that's as good a note to uh, to wrap this one up as any. Um, as we had alluded to earlier in the episode, we got some some heaters coming up in the next couple of weeks for you. We have uh, next week uh, a stonerific episode where we're doing uh, the Tom Petty ballad. You don't know how it feels. And the movie we'll be watching is Stoner, Icon, Dazed and Confused. So I didn't know what we were doing next week until right <laughs> now, Brett. And I am really excited. If I had to, if I had to express my excitement right now, it would probably be with uh... <laughs> shit. Wrong sound effect, but uh, I meant I meant it to be the like, the, the sound the, effect uh, of being at a lake in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I am I'm genuinely stoked on this. It's going to be a fun episode. That Thanks is a good for time, me, guys. I'm stoked on my official co-host status. Um, and, uh, yeah, always a pleasure, fellas. And, and do not forget two weeks from now, we're going to be recording our Halloween episode. It's going to be the Michael Jackson hit thriller. Another all around good dude, Michael Jackson. (laughs) Yeah. Him and Uh, and Spacey really probably should have hung out. Yeah. Guess what the theme of the month for October is for this podcast. Don't do it, Phil. Don't do it. No. <laughs> Movies um, and songs. <laughs> and then and then we're going to be also watching The Crow, which I haven't watched in probably 15 years, so I'm pretty excited to, to get We've back We've been doing some one. good movies lately. Like, The Crow is a really, really good movie, I think. I, I agree, and I can't wait to watch Another it again. Another great that my wife hasn't seen, too, so I get nice. to, I get to uh, show that movie to her, which is great. Perfect. All right, boys. Well, it was great hanging with you guys and breaking down these two uh, excellent pieces of media, and I look forward to seeing you next week. See you next so week. So for Terrell Parker, for Phil Froze, for myself, Brad Wolf, this is the Stoner's Point of View. Thanks for watching.